Thank you, Jedediah and team. That was really neat. Awesome lyrics of that song. Way cool. Um, and somewhat of a new meaning with the Father's house. I think our thoughts go right away uh, to churches being the Father's house, which in one sense they are, but more profoundly, the Father's house, his dwelling place, he's made his home in you. Thank you, sweetie. My daughter, Cambria, that's why I call her sweetie. I <laughs> uh, wanted to open up with a question. Have you ever been guilty of greatly underestimating something or someone? When I asked uh, two of my kids that, it was funny where they went right away. When I asked them about, have they underestimated anything or anyone, they thought about themselves right away. That oftentimes they were thinking of examples of how they've underestimated what they could do, uh, what they could press into, what they could accomplish even with limited time or multitasking. I thought that was kind of a neat first thought that they had. Uh, that was different than my first thought when I was thinking about that question myself. I, I thought right away I grew up really small and so in sports in particular, especially the two sports I loved, football and, and basketball, I was always underestimated and so that built into me an attitude and a drive that I would bring to the field of play, uh, which I've had to curtail in my journey of faith uh, sometimes. So sometimes we, I think we underestimate, um, I have at least, projects, right? The, the time and energy and focus it will take to, to really get something done. Some of you have perhaps underestimated projects in this time of COVID-19 and quarantine, taking on some projects and then realizing it's a little bit much. I was thinking about new skills. Our family, we were talking about Josh Winans and how much we enjoyed the saxophone. And I remembered after college, I found this old saxophone uh, at a thrift store and I purchased it with a beginner's book with this desire to learn the new skill of playing saxophone. I think in that instance, I overestimated both my musical ability to teach myself and the ability of that very old saxophone to produ uh, produce any kind of reasonable uh, noise or sound. A little bit more seriously, I think sometimes I've underestimated the, the depths of brokenness in people. Or you could put it this way, the, the depths of the enemy's work in people where I thought there was more um, healing and maturity and depth of work in God's heart and, and yet I've been disappointed and hurt sometimes because uh, my estimation of things was off. Let me ask you this this morning. Have you ever been guilty of greatly underestimating the work of God? Most of us have heard the words from Jesus, Matthew 19, 26, with God all things are 
possible. The question is, do we really believe this? Do our lives really reflect that belief that all things are possible? Or do we, would our lives proclaim that we sometimes put limits on God? That sometimes we don't believe him for every area. We allow him and believe in him in some areas of our lives, but these areas we've never pressed into particular areas. This morning, we're starting a, a new series, which I've been excited about for, for months, actually, and we're, we're pressing into an area that I believe in the Western church, and the church in the United States and, and Europe especially, that we have been guilty of underestimating the power of God in this particular area, this area of healing. That oftentimes we've believed God for many things, but not in the area of healing. I know I've been certainly guilty of this. My faith growing up was mostly in a Presbyterian church, it was a good church, um, and I didn't really hear at all about God and miraculous healing in that Presbyterian church being raised up in, in, in that church. It wasn't until I got to college and I started to hear about healing, but to be honest with you, the folks that I was hearing that from, they were kind of weird, and the faith that they were living was kind of wholly other than my faith. And in, to be honest, I was uncomfortable in some of those ways. And, and I liked my faith. And, and I didn't really want to move to their faith. And yet, the way that they believed God in those areas created some nagging issues within me. There was also a nagging issue of how I read scripture. You see, I decided in college that I wanted to apprentice under Jesus. I, I, I became convinced in college that he was the son of God and wanted to transform my life. And so I was pressing into that. And as I read his life and ministry and his stories in the pages of scripture, I noticed that he wasn't just proclaiming, he wasn't just teaching, but, but healing was a, a regular, in fact, a predominant part of his life and ministry. And here was the nagging question for me. This was true of Jesus. Was it just to be about Jesus? Or was it meant to be for me and my life today? And that caused me to start pressing in, in college, to some of these questions. And I want to invite us, in the over the next couple of weeks, would we together press into some of these questions? We're going to be looking at and reading some compelling stories of healing, mostly from the life of Christ. And we're going to ask questions, in, in particular, not just questions of the text or in the day of Jesus, but how they might apply to us today, our faith, our lives. What does Jesus want to teach us today. Sound compelling? Sound interesting? 
Maybe a little fun? I hope so. Can we pray together as we turn to Scripture? Lord, Lord, we want to come to you with the openness of all that you have for us. All that you want to be in our lives, to, to offer every area of our lives. Lord, would you give us an, not just an openness, but would you stir in us a thirst and a desire and a faith for more. In your precious and powerful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to be looking at a story early in the life and ministry of Jesus in Mark chapter 2. If you want to pull out your Bibles at home, we will have uh, the, the scripture there on the screens for you. And this is very early. In fact, we've just been through Mark chapter 1, and Jesus has just started his public ministry. And really, the question on everyone's mind is, who is this guy? His, his teaching, uh, his, his work. And, and there's from the religious leaders to the, to the common man, Jesus is creating this stir. And so you've got people. He's starting to attract crowds. So they're starting to come from all over to hear and see and experience this Jesus. So in Mark chapter 2, again, this open question really of who is Jesus, his identity, and the implications that it might have on our personal lives. So Mark chapter 2, starting at verse 1, says, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Apparently, Jesus lived for a time in Capernaum, and that was kind of his base of operations sometimes during his ministry. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Would you imagine this? There, he's in a home, and there's so many people. There's crowds, not even in the doorway, but outside, and they're straining and listening for Jesus. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Now, I love Mark. He just, he tells the story, details, boom, he goes right through it. And I like to pause for a moment and think of some of the dynamics that Mark, the gospel writer, just blazes through. I, I would have loved to have been there when the four friends carrying the, the guy and brings him to the house and they see the crowd. Was there one that said, well, we tried? Was another that said, hey, uh, maybe after when everybody disperses, we can hang out and see if we can get our friend there. Well, was there one guy Maybe he was an engineer or a budding engineer who said, we could go through the roof. That idea, that would have been so fun in that moment. And the other thing I wonder is, so Jesus' teaching, was he, maybe he was teaching from, you know, some material of Sermon on the Mount, 
or some parables. And when does he stop and adjust his teaching? Right? Can you imagine when Jesus is teaching and all of a sudden there's some ruckus above, you know, ceiling, and then patches of the roof start coming off, and maybe dried clay and the branches start falling down. Does Jesus like pause and wait, or does he continue with his parable or what he was teaching? And then let's maybe he continues because he's Jesus, and then all of a sudden you've got a, a guy being lowered on the mat. Does, does Jesus pause there in his teaching? Does Jesus pause here in his teaching? Does Jesus, what, what a moment in the story. And I, I'm sure there was per, perhaps some that were perturbed by this. Maybe the owner of the house, I just patched that roof for crying out loud. Maybe there were some that were filled with joy. Can you imagine the, the man on the mat? <laughs> he's looking around at the crowd as he's being lowered by his friends. And is this going to be okay with Jesus? Well, let's finish the story then. We're verse 5. I imagine Jesus' countenance being transformed into joy and him seeing and recognizing his beautiful love of friends for this man and recognizing faith. And Jesus is going to change his teaching and make this the teaching moment, the memorable moment. Verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Interesting. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit, probably by the Holy Spirit, that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I love this Story. It's a beautiful story. I think it's a, it's a story of many applications. Just one application is sacred friendship, right? The, 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 the stirring and the love that these four guys had for their friend on the mat, that this was the opportunity, that they would not let any obstacle, they were going to press through, get creative, press in. 
so that their friend could be with Jesus and experience Jesus. I was trying to look for a modern day equivalent of a story that we could relate to. This is the one I could find. This is the only one I could find. I found a story of a fan in Turkey of soccer or football. And this fan, it was a, a news article was written about him. His name or his nickname was Yamuk Ali. That was translated crazy Ali. And apparently uh, Ali had such, he was so, such a passionate fan. Fandom was just, he, he was so passionate every game that unfortunately his passion got the best of him and he had a, uh, an incident with another fan. And not only did he get a misdemeanor, but he was banned from the soccer stadium for a full year. Well, Ali was not going to take that lying down. He found a way to overcome what he did um, the this day of an important match of a rival team. Ali found a solution. He rented a crane. And he lifted it high enough above the stadium wall that he could see the match. And when the local news interviewed him after this, he says, this match was very important for our team. I had to go to the police station, sign a paper to show that I was not watching the match in the stadium. Then I quickly went to rent a crane. And so there's on social media, there was pictures of this jubilant Ali in the perch cheering on his team from outside the stadium. Now, ultimately, the police were summoned and Ali was forced to lower the crane. Nevertheless, he still ended the day on a high note. It only cost him the equivalent of $86. He wasn't given any other uh, misdemeanor or fine from the police, and his team won 5-0. to zero. I wonder if God is saying something about passion and even fandom. I wonder if God is saying, man... When are they going to get that they get to be fans of Jesus and the kingdom of God? When will my people get when they give up too early? They don't press in. They don't find a way. They don't get creative. When will they push through their doubts and their struggles and just believe? I think God blesses. He's waiting for that kind of faith that presses through like these four guys. Like Ali, but for the kingdom of God and for Jesus, where we keep pressing in for ourselves and especially one another. You see, I think this story has to do with believing and doubting. It has to do with our faith. And in fact, there was believing and doubting going on in that home where Jesus was teaching and preaching and healing. In fact, if you look at the religious leaders, there was, there was believing and doubting happening in the religious leaders. They were questioning Jesus. They were doubting Jesus. They were doubting his 
uh, authority, but it wasn't whether he could, he could heal or not. It was about whether he could forgive. It was about salvation. It was about the authority to pronounce the forgiveness of sins. And this is what, they, 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 they saw the healing. They weren't wondering about that, but they were wondering about salvation. This is why in the early church, the idea that Jesus saves was so important to the early church because that was the, that was the question, Jesus coming. And the early church, their testimony was, Jesus is Savior, Jesus is is Messiah. Listen to the words of Peter preaching to uh, the centurion and his family. He was talking about the ministry and life of Jesus. And he says, he, Jesus, this is from Acts 10, he, Jesus, commanded us to preach to the people and testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. That's significant. That's important. That's something we have to believe and receive. All the prophets testifying about him that everyone believes in him, who believes in him, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. You see, this was the predominant testimony of the early church and inviting people to believe that idea. But for us today, that's not the foreign idea. In fact, we're used to hearing that, are we not? We, we see in football stadiums, not right now, but hopefully in a day in the future, we see those signs. What do they say? Jesus saves, right? We, we see the billboards on there. Jesus saves. We're here. That. We just celebrated Easter, and the proclamation was Jesus died on the cross, rose, ascended into heaven. He saves. So I think today, especially for Christians, we have the faith and the conviction and the belief that Jesus saves. But where I think we doubt most is the other aspect of Jesus. Does he heal today? Does he want to heal Today, there's a little bit earlier in Mark, again in Mark 1, where they're still wondering who Jesus is. And there's a man with leprosy that's apparently heard of the miracles that Jesus is coming. And, and listen to what he says. It says, a man with leprosy came to him, begged him on his knees, and he says to Jesus, if you are willing... You can make me clean. He wasn't doubting really the power of Jesus or the power of God in and through Jesus. He was wondering about the will of God and his life. He was wondering about the willingness of Jesus and his life. I think for many of us, we wonder about the will of God for our lives today. I wonder if Jesus 
response to the man has something to teach us today. He sa- it says, Jesus filled with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man, and he said, I am willing. How many of us need to really hear and believe that from Jesus for our lives today. See, Jesus was, when he says, which is easier? I've wrestled through what does that mean, which is easier. I think on a a surface level, what he's saying is it it would have been easier, right, to, to just say you are healed to the man. The man is healed, he's good, but, but Jesus was doing a number of things, I believe. He was teaching about who he is. He was teaching about his authority. He was meeting the deeper needs of, of the man on the mat. Yes, he needed to be healed, but in a much deeper and a more profound sense, he needed his sins forgiven and salvation And at the same time, I believe that Jesus was providing an invitation for the religious leaders, the people, and for us today. He was inviting us to believe in him for everything, all areas of life, even the deep and hard things. Let me put it this way, a number of years ago when I was just starting to study healing ministry, I was reading a pastor who, who uh, was leading a lot of healing ministries and uh, he was sharing his own personal testimony as a Christian and a pastor and he, said, he wrote this at one point, he said, I realized I had accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'd accepted him as my forgiver, but I'd never accepted him as my healer. And right away, I, I thought, that that's probably true of me today. I, I, I've not seen Jesus in that way. In fact, I'd not heard of Jesus in that way, that I was potentially underestimating what Christ, who Christ wanted to be to me today, what Christ wanted to do in my life today. I'm hoping that in this series we'll hear from a few different voices, and one of the voices in particular that I wanted to make sure that you hear from was Marilyn Henney. If you are a part of our community of faith here at SEC, we all know David and Marilyn. Uh, uh, they were missionaries uh, for many years with Wycliffe. Such a blessing to our community of faith. And I uh, did an interview because of COVID-19. We wanted to uh, pre-record this interview. Would you take for a moment and hear from Marilyn and her perspective and a little bit of her journey in healing ministry. Hey everyone, wanted to introduce you to most of you know Marilyn well, if you're part of our community of faith. Her and David uh, served as Wycliffe 
missionaries for, I think, when they officially retired, even though they've never truly retired. Um, it was 45 years of service, just a beautiful service. Um, if you're a part of our community of faith, you know Marilyn. One of the areas of passion for Marilyn in particular has been healing ministry. And so I thought it would be really neat to invite Marilyn to uh, share a little bit with you as a congregation about her, a little bit of her, her journey with healing ministry. So Marilyn, let me ask you this uh, for our congregation. What initially drew you to healing ministry? What piqued your interest and stirred you? Well, Eric, you know, when we were in Guatemala, things were different than Colorado Springs. <laughs> and one of the big things that first got me going on healing ministry was when uh, one of our colleagues, actually they were our predecessors, um, the man had a curse put on him by a Mayan shaman. Wow. And so, of course, all of us were very disturbed. We were a community then of about 100 people who were serving in various parts of Guatemala. So it wasn't unheard of that these shamans put curses on people, but nobody else in our group had experienced it. Was he experiencing so, some effects uh, yeah. from that curse? Yes, it seemed that that was so. He was always sick. He mm. had one thing after another wrong with him for the rest of his life. And we prayed and prayed and broke the curse and prayed for healing. And it got a lot of us interested in how do you pray for someone who, if you know they've had a curse on them, or if they're always sick? Mm. So that's what first got our attention. Wow. Now, I know that you have uh, been reading and studying. Um, you've gone to a number of seminars. When I first came here, I'd say, Marilyn, I found this great author, and you'd be like, oh, I've been to a retreat with that couple, and uh, those kind of things. So this has been a long journey, a several-decade journey for you. Marilyn, is there one particular story that sticks out, just a testimony of healing, either physical healing or um, inner healing, emotional, relational, or even a story um, from someone else uh, that you experienced or your own healing? Would you, would you share a story with us? Okay, I'd be glad to. There are just so many stories of how God works. But I was thinking about this, and uh, the one I really want to share is something that happened to me. Uh, I'll tell you that uh, I always had um, trouble relating to my mother, huh. mother problems. Uh -huh. And um, it took me a long time of God working, healing in my heart to come to forgiving my mother. Mm. 
So one of those times when uh, God and I and another person who was helping me, uh, praying with me and talking about this, uh, one of those times I was pouring out my heart to the Lord about how I just couldn't get along with my mother and I felt very hurt by her from things in my childhood. Mm. So at that time, uh, God gave me a little picture, which he sometimes does to this day. Yeah. And uh, in that picture, I was just a little girl, four or five years old, and um, Jesus said to me, why don't you borrow my mother? Huh. And then I saw um, a picture of a young woman, sort of in her 30s maybe, and she was dressed in what I would call a house dress because women of my real mother's age, when I was growing up, they wore dresses all the time <laughs> and they called them house dresses uh -huh. because of course they dressed up to go to church and, and things like that. Yeah, Kendra wears house dresses when she does housework all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, here was this young woman with her hair swept back in, in sort of a bun, but with a lovely face. And she was wearing this nice house dress and she was sitting on a swing. Mm. One of those old fashioned swings where you just throw the rope over the tree branch and you know, you put up something for the seat. Mm. And there she was, and she beckoned to me. So in this picture, I was just little, so I jumped up on her lap. And she did the swinging with me sitting in her lap with my head against her breast. So it was a very lovely restoring image for me to feel the arms of Jesus' mother mm. around me, which filled in a lot of stuff that I had not understood and that I had missed mm. as a little child. So that experience brought great um, peace and a healing of my heart. And I'll never forget it. And was that a, a, a moment that your relationship with your mom shifted? Or, well, was, that, or was that just personal to you? No, that was... Um, long after she had died. Oh, I see. Yeah. But it, um, I had worked through things like forgiving her for uh, how I felt she treated me. And I had been able to do that previously. Yeah. But I, I still lamented mm. 
the lack of a relationship. So that was a shift in your own soul in that yes. moment, I remember. Well, Marilyn, thank you so much for uh, being so uh, vulnerable and willing to share that. I'm sure a huge blessing, a part of, I believe, what Jesus wants to do is heal the brokenhearted. Um, all of us have those wounds to a certain degree. Um, and that's part of the gospel of the restoration of all things, is those inner healing as well as physical. Um, Marilyn, just before we uh, let you go, uh, a few hopes for Springs Community Church as a community of faith and how we might walk into healing ministry. Okay, well, that I've been thinking about a long time. When David and I came to the church in 2003, from that day forward, I just hoped that people in our church would learn to pray for each other for healing. Mm. And we went through all kinds of things, training and different stuff. Mm. And, and people, I think, here and there have really learned to pray for each other. Mm -hmm. But my desire now is that every person in Springs Community Church, all of you who are looking at us today, watching and participating in this worship, I long that you are able to pray a simple prayer of healing mm. for another person, for your family, for the person sitting next to you when we meet together all in church again, mm -hmm. for the, the cashier in the grocery line, mm -hmm. for a teacher at school, because we're called to pray for each other and healing is not some big mysterious complicated thing where you have to follow a certain routine. It's pouring out our hearts to God and simply asking for healing, whether it's of the heart or the mind or the body. We can all do that. And I want to encourage you all to just pray simple prayers for healing with each other. And maybe when you're in your home right now, because we're all in our homes, <laughs> just pray for each other, for healing, for whatever it is. Yeah. Well, and of Marilyn, course, um, thank you so much for your journey in particular at SEC um, and your, your many prayers, your many teachings. Uh, your influence. And I do believe SEC is a place of healing. Um, and yet we long in ever increasing measure uh, that we would grow as that place of healing. So thank you, Marilyn, and God bless you. Thanks for sharing. Bye. Bye. So I want to invite you two things uh, remaining here. Um, would you join me in daring to be curious and daring to hope when it comes to healing ministry? Would you dare to ask 
questions of Jesus, of the Lord, regarding healing ministry. I want to invite you to that kind of questioning, not really what the, the religious leaders did. Um, they asked a lot of questions, but in a judgmental kind of way. I want us to ask questions from a place or standpoint of curiosity. There's a lot of questions in the healing ministry that I think are worthy of asking. In fact, I have still open-ended questions after 15, 20 years of, of studying and pressing into healing ministry. I still have some of those open questions. Would you bring a curiosity? Would you bring a determination? Even if there's some barriers or wrestling places, would you be like those four friends that pushed through the barrier and got their friend to Jesus? Would you ask some questions? Two questions in particular that I think are worthy of us asking. One is this. What role should healing have in our lives today? I think that's a, a very important question. We're going to keep circling and returning to that healing. I would say most of us, if we've been journeying with the Lord as Christians, we believe that healing ministry in the life of Jesus, yes. But how about today? What's that personal application? What does Jesus want to do how does he want us to live in healing today? A, a second question that I often ask in Days of the Kingdom that I think is particularly important for our community of faith that's rooted in the kingdom of God. And it's this question. Why did Jesus come preaching and healing? What significance does that have for us as we try and live life in God's kingdom? In fact, when there's summation passages about the life of Christ, it's oftentimes a linking of those two things of preaching and healing. Matthew 4.23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom. Most Christians get that. But it goes on, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Why that connection? Why teaching and preaching and healing and restoring? If we are truly going to be people about the kingdom, I want to suggest that we need to do both, that we need to live both. That's partly what we're going to do and talk about. So questions, dare to ask questions, be curious. And the second dare is, would you join me in daring to hope in regards to healing? We put some thought into this title and this series and, and we didn't want to call it pick up your mat or carry your mat. I have a hope and a desire that, that all of us will press into Jesus and receive in our lives individually, uh, experience him as a healer, not just a forgiver, not just a Lord, but a healer. 
That's my desire. But, but I'm hoping for more. In fact, I'm hoping beyond just individuals experience Jesus as a healer. But as Marilyn has hoped and prayed for and shared on the video, my desire is that we would carry one another's mats. In our, in our Bible studies, at the end of our church services, in our kingdom life communities, that we would be a people that, that we get it. It's not just about the proclamation of the kingdom of God, but it's experiencing the reality of heaven, the presence of the kingdom of God in our lives today and here, that we would be praying Learning to pray, learning to trust, learning to carry the mat. And when we are experienced this, this barrier, this blockade that we would creatively press into for one another, out of sacred friendship, out of love for one another, we would press in. Can you imagine if we actually lived, I've got one final scripture for you from the early church from James and he was saying this to communities of faith it was instruction he said is any one of you sick he should call the elders of the church really talking about those who have a, a level of spiritual maturity and authority in the name of Christ to pray over him, the sick person, and to anoint him or her with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Can you imagine if we lived James 5? Can you imagine if we learned to not just have compassion and, and love someone and, and be present with someone as important as that is, but can you imagine where we began to wade into the spiritual authority that Jesus wants to give his church? Can you imagine if we began to have more and more testimonies of you and I being healed emotionally and relationally, physically? That's when the kingdom of God is spilling upon the earth in our midst. Can you imagine if we were seen as an embassy of the kingdom of heaven, that people were coming here or online and were receiving the healing touch of Jesus? Can you imagine if we were determined as those four friends were to get our friends and family and those we love to the feet of Jesus, whatever it took. That'd be significant, be powerful. Sign me up. Would you dare to hope with me?
that God wants to do those things. Would you pray with me? So Lord, as this passage of Scripture, Mark 2, is at the beginning, I, I think it's perhaps a beginning place for us that we would receive you for all you desire for us. Lord, we want to open our hearts and our souls to you and receive you this morning as Savior and forgiver. If you've never done that, you can simply say, Jesus, I believe, pray, Jesus, I, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Would you come into my life and would you forgive me for all that I've done in my life? believe that Jesus wants us to also receive him as leader of our lives and Lord of our lives. Ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill our lives. You can ask the Holy Spirit that he would be your counselor, your guide, that the creator of your life would teach you to live in the fullness of life. Lord Jesus, we receive you as Lord and leader this morning afresh. I believe he wants us to receive him as our good shepherd and our healer. Just as the shepherd finds that wounded lamb and, and binds up the brokenness of that lamb so he wants to bind us up. Lord, I pray over this congregation, Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, Lord. Lord, we want to receive you as our Lord and Savior. We want to trust you to bind us up. 